God. Hallelujah. Well, Pastors Mark and Brenda are just resting up from their Peru trip. How many of you were here this morning? Praise God. How many of you were not here this morning? Well, they were... They, they got back on Friday night and they had just some tremendous things to share. They're going to be following it, probably sharing maybe next Sunday night and telling us all about the wonderful things that happened, the fruit that was born, the goodness of God. I'm telling you, remember we prayed about pastors reaching out and touching pastors. Remember that? I'm telling you, there was an awesome anointing on Pastor Mark. As he began to pour out the life of God into the ministers there. And there was just a real flow of the Holy Ghost. And so we'll be looking forward to hearing more about their trip. And I just tell you, God is good all the time. Well, we've been talking, I think we started last, um, I think we started this month on the subject of prayer. I was back in Tulsa, so I missed a little bit uh, on Sunday nights. But um, the subject that we're going to be talking about tonight is on the subject of prayer. And the title of my message is called Hashtag Life After Death. See, I believe that the kind of praying that we should be doing is the kind of praying that produces the power of God that brings life even into situations that could look dead. Amen? Hallelujah. I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to first of all look at some of the clothing that we're to wear as prayers. Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 10 through 18. And it says this. In conclusion, be strong where? In the Lord and be empowered through his union with him. Draw your strength from him. That strength which his boundless might provides. Put on God's whole armor. See, now you know in the word it tells us that we've got to put some things on. It tells us to take some things off. Lay some things aside. Pluck some things out. Come cut some things off. But it also admonishes us to put some things on. And that's what we're hearing right here. It says to put on the whole armor of God. The armor of a heavy armed soldier. Which God supplies. See it's clothing from heaven. That you may be able successfully to stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. Next verse, please. For we wrestle not with what flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the dispositions against the powers, against the master spirits who are the rulers, uh, world rulers of this present darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. We can see there that there's four realms of demonic influence in the earth. Is there not? If we, let's turn over to the um, King James Version really quickly, because I want to read it to you there. 
Ephesians 4.12 in King James Version. Or 6.12, thank you. Praise God. It says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. That's one um, demonic force. Against powers, two. Against rulers of the darkness of this world, three. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. And see, what God wants us to do is he wants us to rule through prayer in heavenly places. He wants us to pray. He wants us to say. He wants us to declare some things. But we have to be ready. We have to be clothed with heavenly clothing. Heavenly attire. We've got to be standing in that armor of God. It goes on to say in Ephesians 6 verse 13. That we're to pray at all times. Therefore... It says, put on God's complete armor that you may be able to stand, to resist and to stand your ground in the evil day. What is the evil day? That is the day that the enemy comes to take the word out of your heart. And it says, having done all, all that the crisis demands, stand Stand firmly in your place. Stand, therefore, and hold your ground. I'm telling you what, don't give up your ground to the enemy. He'll try to encroach upon your territory. And when he does that, he comes in little by little and takes a little bit here and a little bit there. I'm telling you, stop him on the onset. Don't let him encroach onto your territory. Hold your ground. Having tightened the belt of truth around your loins and having put on the breastplate of integrity and of moral rectitude and right standing with God and having shone your feet in preparation To face the enemy with the firm-footed stability, the promptness, and the readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace. Lift up over all the covering shield of saving faith, upon which you can quench all the fiery flaming missiles of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Which yields, which is the word of God. And pray. Pray when? At all times. times. On every occasion. In every season. In the spirit. With what? All manner of prayer and entreaty. To that end, keep alert and do what? Watch. Watch with strong purpose. And perseverance, interceding in behalf of all the saints. That's God's consecrated people. So you notice that it says that we're to pray at all times with all manner of prayer. So there's many ways that we can learn to pray. And that we can learn about this powerful 
thing that God has given to the body of Christ, and that is the ability to work with heaven through prayer. You know, we should have a personal prayer life. That's a life where we commune with the Father, where we commune with the Lord, where we hear from heaven for ourselves, a place where we really practice the presence of God. You know, sometimes you need to train yourselves in some of these things. And it's not something that you do just one time and you learn it. You have to perpetually train yourself because God's going to increase you and he's going to give you more. He's going to teach you more on the subject of prayer. He's going to help you learn how to pray in different levels, in different rooms, in different ways with all manner of prayer. And so you have to, first of all, learn to practice his presence so that you can move in his presence, so that you can recognize his voice, so that you can work together with him. Sometimes practicing his presence is just turning your thoughts back to him and reflecting on his goodness. I mean, you might be in the midst of doing something at work. And you can just set yourself a little reminder, a little alert to come up on your computer or whatever, on your watch or on your cell phone that just gives a little ding. And at that ding, it reminds you to turn into God. And maybe he'll give you a scripture that you can be meditating upon, that he'll quicken to your heart. But practicing his presence is so vital to learn how to flow with a spirit of prayer. We got to learn to recognize his voice, how he speaks. He'll have conversations with you. And many times a conversation is something that maybe he'll start speaking to you about something, but he'll continue it throughout the day, throughout the week throughout the month, and even throughout the year. That conversation you'll hear in different ways. You'll hear it when you open the word. You'll hear it when your pastor ministers. You'll hear it in conversations with loved ones, friends. You'll hear it, you know. Uh, you'll turn on the TV. And maybe your minister will be on there, and they'll, they'll say something in that very thing will be part of the conversation that God is having with you. God wants to talk with you. He wants you to know him so personally, to be intimately acquainted with him, recognizing him, recognizing his voice, communing with him. Again, he'll do that through various means. You know, one way that we can pray too is through corporate prayer. Corporate prayer is so important, and we want to encourage you to get involved in corporate prayer here at Heart of the Bay. We have men's prayer once a month on Saturdays where the men come together and they pray. We have ladies' prayer every Wednesday morning at 11 a.m. If you don't come to that and you're able, I encourage you to come to ladies' prayer. We have Thursday noon prayer. You can come during your lunch hour, perhaps. Maybe you can come in a little late and leave a little early if you have to get back to work. But if you're in this area, come. 
and get involved in corporate prayer. You see, in in that place of corporate prayer, things begin to happen that you just can't do in and of yourself. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a a minute. But we go places in prayer. Prayer is like a vehicle. It takes us and transports us to different dispensations. And in those dispensations, there is no time. There is no distance. And something else, prayers are eternal. They're always there. They're bottled up in heaven, I'll tell you. God has every one of your prayers written down. Prayers are eternal. I love praying with the ladies on Wednesdays. You know, last Wednesday we had, we started off, we had really good prayer. We had anointed prayer. But then something happened. Something that always happens as we come together. We began to step over into that place of prayer called the spirit of prayer. You know, I remember Rachel Tifa-Teller used to say, it's like stepping over a log. And when you step over that log, you step into another dispensation, another place in the spirit. It is a place that we need to know more and more about. It's a place that we need to live and abide in, in the hour that we live in. As pastor said this morning, we live in perilous times. It is the end times. So we need to draw nigh to God. And the word of God says when we draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to us. I'll tell you in that place of prayer, in the spirit, you will begin to think differently. You will begin to understand differently. You'll begin to respond differently. You'll begin to see some things that you otherwise would not see. You'll begin to hear some things. You'll begin to believe some things with your heart. It's amazing, this place. It's a place where, you know, you're just no longer praying out of your heart, out of your spirit, but it's where you take hold with the Holy Ghost and you begin to move and you begin to pray in the spirit. Now this doesn't mean that you're just praying in tongues. So please don't uh, confuse that. Praying in the spirit could be praying in English or whatever your native tongue is. Or it could be praying with your heavenly language, with a prayer language. But when you step into that place in the spirit, It's something else that begins to come on you. It's an utterance. It's words that God gives that doesn't come up from your understanding, but comes from that place in God. It's where you're in sync with the Holy Spirit and you're walking with him. Galatians 5.25 says this, if we live in the spirit, let us also do what? Walk in the spirit. If we can walk in the spirit, we can pray in the spirit. In the NIV, it says this. Since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. 
The voice translation says it this way. Now, since we have chosen to walk with the spirit, let us keep each step in perfect sync with God's spirit. Amplified says it this way. If we walk or if we live by the Holy Spirit, let us also walk by the spirit. If by the Holy Spirit we have a life in God, let us go forward walking in line and conducting and controlled by the spirit. Hallelujah. God will help us to do that. He'll help us to live a life that is controlled by the Holy Spirit. Where we're conducting ourselves under the promptings of the Spirit of God. Where we're loving as He loves. Where we're speaking like He speaks. Amen? Where we're believing like He believes. The God kind of faith. Have the God kind of faith. Hallelujah. Turn with me to Zechariah chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 7 in the, in the Amplified. I want you to show you something that begins to happen when you begin to conduct yourself in line with the Word of God and controlled by the Spirit of God. This is what begins to happen. There is a process that God grants to you in that place of prayer. And you'll see here it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways, isn't that what we just read? Walk with the spirit and keep my charge. Then also you will rule my house and have charge of my courts. And I will give you access to my presence and places to walk among these who stand here. You see there, it says, if you will take charge of yourself. If you will take charge of your own house, then you can have increase. The next level of praying after you pray for your own house, your own territory, is it says you shall rule in my house. You can have authority in other places as God grants it to you. In the house of God, praying for one another. There's a place of authority that God will give to you to pray for another person. He will show you some things when you can be trusted about other people and what they need in their lives. Sometimes you won't understand at all, but you'll just have this on the inside of you where, oh, I just got to pray. And as you begin to pray, you begin to know some things because the spirit of seeing and knowing begins to operate. And God helps you through the power of the Holy Spirit praying through you to pray for them. So he gives you charge. He gives you charge in his house. And then there's another ascension. It says he'll give you walks to walk among those. You know who's talking there? Who he's talking about? It's talking about angels. It's talking about angels. It says, I'll give you my charge in my courts where angels operate and work in behalf of heaven. And God's going to grant you that access into his presence to stand in places of prayer 
Will you walk among these? Will you commission angels? Because you have assignments of prayer. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's powerful prayer that paves the way for the impossible to become possible. One thing I found out about prayer is that the more you pray, the more you want to pray. It's just a supernatural thing that God works in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Again, this is a place in the spirit where you're no longer praying out of your heart, but out of God's heart. You're no longer praying out of your own understanding. You're praying with the mind of God, the understanding of God. Remember that circle of prayer that we talk about around here? Where prayer really starts in the throne room, in the heart of God. And then he sends down into your heart his plan, his will, his purpose. And as, as it's in your heart, you lift it back up to him. And you begin to pray it out. See, God has to work with you in the earth, with men. He's given men authority in the earth. He's commissioned you. You are his ambassador in the earth. And that's how he works through prayer. He gives you prayers to pray. You pray it out and heaven responds. Through your faith and through your prayers, you can move heaven and earth. Glory to God. How many of you know we've got some things we've got to move? And we can do it in that place in the spirit. That place in God. The wonderful thing about praying in that place, again, is that you hook up with the Holy Ghost. And he begins to carry you. See, there's a current of prayer. Like a river. And that current takes you along as you begin to pray in the Spirit. And leads you. And you'll have an utterance. Maybe you'll be praying in tongues. And it'll be strong. And it'll be hard. And then he'll give you words to speak out. And you'll be praying in English. And then you'll turn a bend. And when you turn that bend in the river of God, it'll change. And maybe it'll be soft. Soft but powerful. It'll be that place where you're standing in awe of his majesty. And what he is doing. That place in the spirit, in the river, carries you. It carries you to places, situations, people's lives. Oh, what a privilege to pray! And how wonderful it is to step into that place. When you're in that place, the Holy Spirit, he'll show you the deep things. See, he knows them. He'll reveal to you mysteries. Let me ask you a question. Does anybody have a mystery in their life? You want to know about some things? 
You want some things revealed? I'll tell you, get in that place of prayer. And that place of prayer, God will begin to reveal things to you. Now, let's say we had this little tissue box. And it's covered up and you can't see it. That's how many things are in life. Our future's that way. But when you get in that place of prayer, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to do this. Lift the veil and uncover it and expose it and show you things to come. He'll grant you direction and understanding and wisdom and you know just what to do. When you flow in that place in the spirit. Praying in the spirit brings the kind of power that produces life. The Zoe life. It's life after death. There's some things that need to be raised. Some things that need to be raised up. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 14, it says that God has unveiled and revealed things to us by his spirit. It tells us that the Holy Spirit searches diligently, exploring and examining everything, even sounding the profound and bottomless things of God, the divine counsels of God, things that are hidden, hidden to man. For what person perceives or knows and understands what passes through a man's thoughts? Do you know what's in the person sitting next to you, what's in their thoughts? No, but God does. He knows. And he says that he will help you to pray in situations where you don't know. He knows. He knows how to help you to pray. I love where it goes on to say this. It says, and we are settling for these truths. Uh, truths forth in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Holy Spirit, combining and interpreting spiritual truths with spiritual language. There's a language of the Spirit. Again, it's not just speaking in tongues. It's how you speak. Do you talk like God talks? When you begin to talk like God talks, God begins to move through your words in power and in demonstration. Your words that you speak out, you begin to believe them. And when they're in your heart and they're in your mouth, that's faith in two places and it becomes a powerful force. You could just be praying in the midst of a conversation. Amen? Declaring some things. Seeing God move heaven and earth. God discerning, revealing, uncovering, exposing. This kind of prayer cannot be done unless you're praying in that place in the spirit. See, we're limited in our own flesh. We don't have the understanding that we need. We don't have the power that we need. 
You know, when you try to pray out of that place, out of your own head, yes, you can start there. You can pray the word. That's not what I'm talking about. But sometimes there's situations where we want something with our own will. And we begin to pray out of our will instead of the will of God. Or what we know instead of what he knows. That's carnal. That's carnal praying. This kind of praying we're talking about cannot be done in the flesh. It cannot. We have to just shut our natural man up. We have to pull away, take hold of the wind of the spirit, be endued with power from on high, and let God give you ability to pray. He makes you able. Looking at Romans chapter 8, verse 26. It says, now we have not received the spirit that belongs to the world, but the Holy Spirit who is from God given to us that we might realize and comprehend and appreciate the gifts of divine favor and blessing so freely lavished. And uh, uh, that's first Corinthians. Huh? Uh, I wanted Romans chapter eight, verse 26. I probably put it down wrong. I'm sorry. Praise God. Romans 8, 26, it says this. Likewise, the Spirit, he does what? He helps our infirmities. For we know not how we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit will help you. He will help your infirmities. He will help your weaknesses. He will help your limitations. He will take hold with you and pray through you the perfect plan, will, and purpose of God. Why? Because he is God. He's the third person of the Godhead. He knows all things. He's omniscient. And he knows just what to get us to pray for. Just what to have us pray about. It's amazing this life of prayer in the spirit that is available to us. We just need to make it a priority. To be able to step into that place. To take the time. You know, I think too often people misunderstand the job and the role of the Holy Spirit. And how precious he is to us. See, Jesus said, I have not left you. I have not left you alone. I've sent another one, a helper. The Holy Spirit, who is our comforter, our counselor, our intercessor, our strengthener, our standby. He comes alongside to do for us what we can't do in and of ourselves. He helps us. He's not just tongues. Tongues is a prayer language that he gives to us to pray to God with. He's not just power. No. Electricity is power. But electricity does not have intellect. It will power some things. It will power the lights. It will power the soundboard. But it will not influence things. The Holy Spirit's not just power. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. It's himself is how we should be saying it. It's not, he's not an it, he's a him. He's a him. 
And if you are born again, he lives on the inside of you. What a powerful thing. You know, the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, verses 13 through 14, tells us something about him and what he does. He says, and I will do, I myself will grant whatever you ask in my name as presenting all that I am so that the Father may be glorified and extolled in and through the Son. Yes, I will grant myself, I will do for you whatever you shall ask in my name as presenting all that I am. Next verse. Hallelujah. Can you put the next verse? Oh, it just goes to 14. (laughs) Praise God. I got the wrong verse. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, you know what he does, though? He watches over the earth. He watches over and he longs to move in power. He wants to move in and through you. He wants to carry out the will of God in people's life and in the earth. He wants to do for you these things as you work with him. You know, you can make decisions for yourself that's based on the past or the present. You know, but the Holy Spirit, he will lead you to pray about things that concern the present and also concern the future. He says he will show it to you. He will reveal it to you. He will uncover. He will disclose it. He will transmit it to you. When you have relationship with him, I I just want to encourage you tonight to come up into a deeper relationship with God and with the Holy Spirit and communing with him in that place of prayer. The first thing that we need to do is we need to step up and we need to be a watchman on the wall. Watchmen that sit and watch and pray. Where You know, when you turn into God and God, again, reveals some things to you and you watch over it. And as you watch over it, he will grant you utterances to pray about it over periods of time. It's amazing how he does that. In order to do that, though, you've got to pull yourself aside. You've got to go into your prayer closet. Now, I don't know where your prayer closet may be. It may be in your car. It may be in a room. It may be in your backyard. But you've got to go find a closet. You've got to have a closet that you enter into where you shut out everything else. Let's look at Psalm 62, verse 5. Psalm 62, verse 5 says, My soul wait only upon God and silently submits to him, for my hope and expectation are from him. The New Living Translation says it this way, Let all that I am wait quietly before the Lord, for my hope is in him. When we pull aside and we get into that prayer closet, God will begin to share things with you, encourage you in different ways. You you get the distractions and you take them and you shut them outside the door of your prayer closet. Distractions will keep you in the sense realm. Distractions will keep you from stepping into that place that we're talking about tonight, that place in the spirit. But when you step into it, 
you will have another perspective. God will speak to your heart. I remember one time I was laying on my bed and I was distressed about something. And I went to that place of prayer. And I prayed over it. And then I sat there for a while, just like the scripture says, to be still and to know that he is God. And as I sat there, pretty soon, something came right up in my heart. It was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And I was distressed over a situation. I was fearful over it. And he said this, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. That was a word from heaven. When you're in a place of prayer, God will give you a word from heaven. I was able to take hold of that rhema word and quiet my soul. I was able to take hold of that rhema word and declare it and speak it out. I will not be afraid. I will not let my heart be troubled. And you see, when you hook up with that, all of a sudden there's power behind it. It came from that place of prayer and the Spirit. From pulling yourself aside. I can't encourage you enough to do that. Someone who's carnal, you know what they do? They respond with the senses. They don't just respond, they react. They react to the senses. What they're seeing, what they're hearing, what they're smelling, what they're feeling. Amen? And that is not going to produce the kind of praying that we're talking about tonight. They will call things as though they are instead of calling them as though they're not, which is what the word tells us to do. You know, sometimes you're in that place and things, you know, that make sense to your senses, <laughs> you got to step over that. you got to push it aside. Like the lady with the issue of blood that pressed through. you got to press through all of that. To get to that place in the spirit. You got to quiet your mind. You got to get where you're all of a sudden you're praying with the prayer and the spirit of faith. Where faith rises up in your heart and you no longer look at what is seen. But you look to what is unseen. In the place in the spirit of prayer that God grabs you. In the Old Testament, there was an Israelite woman. And she heard that the Ark of the Covenant had been stolen. And she was very distressed. You know, that was where God's spirit dwelt. Today, he dwells and abides inside the heart of the believer. But this is where the presence of God dwelt. And she was so distressed over it that when she gave birth to her son, she named him Ichabod. You know what that meant? It meant the glory has departed. And so what she began to do is she began to name her future based on her past. And that's what happens when we begin to, when we begin to operate in the sense realm. We begin to call our future things based on our past experiences. So we have to get away from that. We have to get away from that. That's carnal. 
And I'll tell you what, if you don't allow that spirit of prayer, that place to develop on the inside of you, you'll be praying with the spirit of Ichabod. Oh, Lord, help us. Amen. Help the body of Christ. We don't want to be praying based on our senses. We want to be praying the kind of prayer that brings life, that produces life after death. The kind that changes you into another man. Remember, pastor talked about Elisha and how he outran the king's chariots and how, you know, he called fire down from heaven. He spoke and prayed that it would not rain. For the matter of three and a half years. And then he prayed again and it began to rain. That's powerful prayer. That's praying in the spirit. That's the kind of prayers that gets prayer answered. It's worth contending for. It's worth sacrificing for. It's worth cutting off the flesh for. To see the power of God. And then of course we saw... Where he stepped out of that. And when he stepped out of that place, what happened? He was fatigued. He was tired. And he went and hid in a cave. The same man that called fire down from heaven. The same man that outran the king's chariots. Was in so much depression, he was praying that he would die. When you pray out of the sense realm and you don't see the results, you don't see the fruit, you're going to feel like you want to run and hide in a cave. Hallelujah. Help us. Help your body, Lord Jesus. Help us. Help us to have a spirit of faith and a spirit of boldness about us. When I was... Back at um, Kindle the Flame with Pastor Brenda and some of our ladies here, there was a minister who had shared, and she, she's been a pastor's wife. She's traveled all over. She's been on almost every continent. And she was um, recently in Syria speaking with the women there. And she said to them, how do you want me to pray for you? And they said to her, pray that we have Boldness. Now, when we pray for boldness, that means something a little bit different. Because this is the place where Christians are being killed, where churches are being destroyed, where families are being separated, where they're being imprisoned, where they're being tortured for the gospel's sake. And these women ask for boldness. Boldness in prayer. I tell you what, that did something to my heart. It challenged me. It stirred me to the core of my being. Lord, when we pray for boldness, we want to just go out there and hand a track. They're praying for boldness that could separate them from their families. But see, they know something. They know something about the power of prayer. Hallelujah. We get too comfortable. 
We think we have it bad. Ho, ho, ho. Glory to God. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Help us to have boldness. To pray with a spirit of boldness. Sometimes when you begin to pray some things out, you know there's things that are just bigger than us. There's giants, things to be conquered. David faced giants, didn't he? And if he, he was a shepherd boy who had a relationship with God, he knew what? He knew he had a covenant with God. That's because he spent time with God. And when the giant surfaced in his life, he was able to step up to the plate and knock him out. He was prepared. He was prepared in his heart. And he knew God would back him up. And that's the place we got to be in prayer. He boldly ran towards the giant. Are you running towards some giants in your life? Are you running towards some things that are bigger than what you can do? You can. When you get in that place of prayer, God will give you that spirit of boldness, that spirit of faith. It'll rise up on the inside of you. And you'll have that confidence, even as David had, that you'll see the goodness of God in the land of the living, in the land of your life. You're going to know that that goodness is going to show up. And you'll boldly declare some things. You'll stand for this nation. And you'll boldly declare some things. Sometimes you're praying and you're, you're thinking you're praying about something that's going to happen tomorrow. But really you're praying for other times and seasons. Remember when in the Old Testament, the, the handwriting on the wall? Do you know that that was declared and prayed out a hundred years before by Isaiah? He saw it. He saw it in the place of prayer, in the spirit. And he, he described it. And he prayed over it. And he declared what would happen. And it was established. Not a day later. Not a week later. Not a year later. A hundred years later. He was praying about some things in the future. And God will give you things to pray about in the future. Even concerning this nation. And you just have to boldly declare it. You have to boldly pray about it. God gave me something to pray about this nation. And I want to read it to you. Pastor was uh, saying something in a service just a few weeks ago. And this just came up in me. To pray and to say, divine direction, not political direction. Divinely inspired, not politically inspired. Divinely timed, not politically timed. Divine wisdom, not man's wisdom. And you have to pray that from a place of boldness in faith. Because it sure doesn't look that way, does it? But when God gives you something, you better pray it. And you better pray it with boldness. And you better pray it in faith. Hallelujah. So I've been praying that. I've been praying, Lord, divine direction, not political direction. Divinely inspire, not politically inspired. Divinely time, not politically time. Divine wisdom, not man's wisdom, Lord. Make it so in this nation. See, those are the kind of prayers God will give you. And you've got to boldly pray them out. I don't care if they don't make sense to your mind. 
I don't care what the enemy tells you about it. I don't care what your own soul tells you about it. You got to speak it out. You got to declare it. There was Isaiah declaring it. And it surely came to pass. Though it tarry the vision, it will come to pass. Amen. So you just be obedient. You pray it out. Hallelujah. Again, where we were praying in ladies prayer and we're stepping over to that other place, praying for the nation, praying about these things, praying about the kind of faith that sees life after death. You know, the kind that Job had that produces life in situations. I wanted to just read one example from the word of God. And it's found in 2 Kings chapter 4. And this is an example here where we can look at in the life of the Shudamite lady. She was an amazing lady. The Bible said she was a great lady. And it says that it happened one day that Elijah came to her house. And when he came to her house, she was thrilled that the man of God was there. She was so thrilled that she wanted to make room for the presence of God in the life of this prophet. So she asked her husband to build a room, a place where they could stay and abide, a place for the anointing. We've got to make room in our heart. A place for God, a place for the anointing to abide in our home. And she certainly did that. And so she had been so gracious to them. And when they were leaving, the prophet asked his helper, what does this woman need? What can we do for her? How can we bless her? And he said, well, she's barren. She does not have children. And so Elijah went to her and he said, This time next year. See, her husband was very old. Past the time, sort of like Abraham. And he said, this time next year, you're going to have a son. And she said, oh, don't lie to me. Don't tell me things that aren't true. See, she really didn't even have the faith to believe for it at that point. But something evidently happened. Because... This time, the next year, she had a son. And when that son was born, he grew up and was a blessing to his family. And it says that he was out in the field working with his father. And he began to hold his head and he began to cry out and he dropped down to the ground. And the Bible says he died. Now, this was a gift from God. Have you ever had God give you something and the devil tried to take it away? This was a gift from God. She wasn't going to have a funeral at that point. Do you know some people, when the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy from their lives or their loved ones, they have a funeral. This lady wasn't going to have a funeral. Oh, no. She went looking for the prophet. She went looking for the man of God. She went looking for the power. Aren't you glad we don't have to go looking for a man? We can just lift it up to him. But she went looking. And she, she, uh, Elijah saw her afar off and said, is it well with you? And what did she say? What did she declare? It is well. well. And then he said, is it well with your son? What did she say? 
It is well with my son. Well, the prophet came back with her, came back to her house. And when he got there, the, the child was dead. He put everybody out and he went in the room and he began to declare some things over this child. He took the rod, put the rod over the child. You know, some situations, though, you have to just stay with it. And in this case, he had to stay with it. He had to get down on top of that child and lay over that child. And he had to breathe the breath of life into that child. There's situations where we have to walk with people. and, And in prayer, you have to just lay over them. And breathe the breath of life back into them. Amen. And it takes time. Come on. But you'll hit that place in the spirit. And you'll pray over them. And you'll pray until. Amen. It'll be assignment for you. And, and he laid over that child. And he breathed the breath of life. And the child got up on his feet. And he sneezed. And he came out alive. All to the glory of God. Why? Because she refused to have a funeral. She believed in the kind of prayer, the kind of power in prayer that produces life after death. And that's what I want to stir you up in tonight. There is that power available. And if you're praying on another level, it's a lower level. It's still prayer. It's good prayer. But come on up. There's another level for you. I don't care what level you're at. God has another level for you. He has another room for you to go in. And there's different furniture in that room. Different tools in that room. Different assignments in that room. Different things and different authorities. Different territories in the next room. Come on up. And be used. And pray and work with heaven and the Holy Ghost. So that you walk with these. He'll give you walks to walk in. He'll give you authority to pray. In different places. It's a powerful thing. But you got to clear out the clutter. That's what she did. She cleared out the room for the prophet. She cleared out the clutter she made room for the anointing you got to clear the clutter out of your heart out of your head amen and make room for the anointing make room to operate in that place she did something very practical she built a room sometimes you'll do things very natural but you'll do it with a spiritual touch And it'll produce fruit. She did something out of the love of God. Why? Because she treasured the anointing. She treasured the the presence of God. Remember what Keith taught us? That a treasure is something that captures your heart? What is in your heart that moves you? Is it compassion or hardness? Is it love? Is it hate? Is it faith? Or is it just your senses that's moving you? Is it peace 
or fear or anxiety? Is it self-control or anger? Is it mercy or is it judgment? What is in your heart? You know, there's many assignments on this earth that are bigger than us. And we need to come together to lift those things up, to get those things out of our hearts. Assignments that we've got to work. We can't do it alone. We've got to work together in the body of Christ. Sometimes you'll be praying for something. And I'm telling you that as you begin to pray, you can call others to pray about that assignment. It might be an assignment that you know needs some praying over. It's not like the prayer of faith where you pray at once. Remember all manner of prayer? Different prayers sometimes have different rules that you you utilize to uh, appropriate them. But it's that place where I'm telling you, you come together and you know, okay, it's time to step away, but you call for another prayer. Lord, send a prayer, send a watchman to come and watch in my place and pray over this. Like praying for the United States. That's a big assignment. But whatever your supply is for that hour, give it, release it, declare it, work with heaven. And then when you step away, Lord, I pray for another watchman to come. And that watchman will come with their supply. And they will pray as the Holy Spirit leads them to pray. And God just weaves it like a beautiful tapestry. He knows just what to do. But he needs all of us. He needs all of us praying and taking our place. And that is so important. How many of you want to be used of God? You want to be in that place. I encourage you to get involved with other prayer partners, that you make things, prayer assignments together. Maybe things about your family, things in your neighborhood, things about, you know, praying things for the church. Hallelujah. There's some things that need to be prayed out for this church. Wednesday night, we're going to be doing a series for four weeks on relationships. Don't miss out. You come and you begin to know those that labor among you. And it brings unity. And what does unity produce? The power of God. When they were one accord, what happened? The power of God fell. So I encourage you, even if you don't come on Wednesday nights, come for these four weeks and get involved in these relationship groups. It's going to change a lot of things. Hallelujah. Praise God.